worth no city lies We own still not end Everyone there whispered Through those pines It's the only sound that you could hear Now roll and pile Those falling mines The road where the trains used to go Help my help by those Lightweight signs And good old Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth, and this is a special tweener tweener episode. Have I said where where that name comes from? Our fish fans think it's a tweezer episode. I actually have people say that, but what? No, it's when I was in grade school. That was my nickname, tweener. Right, because my name was Turner, and I guess some of them thought I was a bit of a wiener. Hey. Can you believe that? Even when I was in grade school, people thought I was an asshole or a wiener or whatever, or some kind of play between the two. But hey, we're backstage at Hampton 70 for this interview, right, Seth? Yes, we we were backstage. We're doing this because... Not far um, from the elevator. We're, this is a little leftover salmon teaser because... Would you say it's a leftover interview from Hampton it 70? It is a leftover that will uh, help promote a, a forthcoming one because we sat down with Vince Herman since this interview at the Hunt House, a place that... Josh Thane turned us on to in Marietta, which I love, out, indoor-outdoor venue. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that. Well, first of all, thank you, Josh Thane, for assembling this. I, I don't even know if he's working on this one, but we still appreciate Josh's work. As a matter of fact, I do believe Nathaniel is assembling this episode. I believe so, our intern. This is uh, his debut episode, if you will. But, Rob, who's the owner of Hunt House? Tell, tell him, Seth. No, you tell. The, the writer. Oh, uh, the, ba- the bassist. Yeah. Benny. From Colorado, uh, a gem to have here in a, the Atlanta area, or Marietta at that. Uh, this guy, like, I mean, Drew, Vince, all those Colorado guys. I mean, well, those are just two of several. But Yonder Mountain, I think he wrote a couple of Yonder songs, and Railroad Earth, and Green Sky. And- we talked about him in the uh, infamous String Dusters interview. It's Ben Galloway. Um, isn't that his name, Benny? I know. Yeah, they call him Benny, but... Uh, but yeah, I'd love to do one of our events there. But we sat down with Vince. We will do. We should do a bluegrass brunch there. Absolutely, would love to. All right, so folks, check out WTNS Live Bluegrass Brunch at the Hunt House on some date in the future. Yeah, if it's something that's interesting to you, email us at insideoutwtns at gmail dot com, and it will help us sell the idea. But um, the Vince interview, we sat down for a long time. That'll be a full episode coming up probably in November sometime. Man, that was a funny. It He's was so, funny. We also got really serious. Oh at my the god! End. We got real in the end. There was mo- there was a lot of serious yeah. moments in that one. It was a roller coaster ride, and he was really generous with his time. And um, such an enjoyable character. It is because I hear a lot of interviews with him, and he often doesn't take the interview seriously. So I really thought that uh, he he uh, he definitely bared his soul at points and really took took this interview to heart. And that went, we appreciate it. But here is Drew Emmett. This is on the night at the Fox. Carmel yes. Bruce Hampton 70. This is before the show, so everyone's in a very happy, excited mood. And and I want to point out, again, as we said before, we're trying to pull these musicians away from this revelry, and Drew was one of the ones that really was receptive to the idea and really went out of his way. Even though this is a quick interview, he didn't have much time. He was very busy with things going on. And um, one thing we need to... There's a, a, a few things in this interview that are momentous. We need we have something we need to remember to ask Jeff Seip, because we will have Jeff Seip on. Yes, we, we definitely will. He, uh, by the way, sends his regards to the show. Uh, he's currently on tour with uh, with uh, Jimmy Herring and, and uh, that new project, and they're having a blast. Uh, so we talked briefly about that the other day, and he's, uh, he's excited to share some stuff with us. And he, um, by the way, Rob... He's very interested in doing the WTNS Live, and I talked to him about another guest that may do it with him I need to tell you about, but mm. something really big in the works there. I'd love to, like I said, I'd love to pair him up with the Madrid Express if we can. But um, also, uh, we referenced some things in the Vince interview that we asked Drew about, particularly about Vince being sort of the leftovers embodiment of the colonel at points. And then in our interview, there was proof of such. Um, also, the line, why couldn't the woman talk then is particularly funny and Seth you like to give stuff away right and if you heard that just email us at inside out WTN no, here's the prize Seth reveals something in this interview that I don't think he's ever revealed on the show before oh so if you astute listeners because I now that we do more live events and now that I'm out 
handing out flyers and stuff, people more and more are coming up to me who listen to the show. And thank you all so much for listening. And if I'm ever not pleasant, it's either because I don't accept praise well or if I'm handing out flyers at, at, on the walkout of a show, there's a very narrow window of opportunity to get the flyers out. And I'm focused on getting them. Seth will chat like chat well, can't away. I, but did. I will get the flyers out. So I don't mean to be rude. I just, nah, it's a yeah. small window of opportunity to get them out. And I'm, as you can if see, I'm flying with you, Rob. Anytime I'm, Seth and I are there, you'll see why I'm the best that's ever been at it. Rob, you're, do, you're, uh, one person has to do, be the nice person and talk. So if you're going to be the guy that's doing the hustle, then, but I've done that hustle. Do the hustle. I've done the hustle. And it's hard, folks. If you're the guy, if you ever do the flying, it's hard because you do want to talk to people. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to be rude. Can you imagine if the dead cover that, like in the middle of Good Lovin' or something? Good Lovin'. Good Lovin', do the hustle, Good Lovin', like, the, you know, La, La Bamba, they've blocked. They could have done yeah, it. Maybe Humphreys will do it for you one day. But anyway, go ahead. Hey, um, this is a celebration, too, for the band because they're just hitting the road, right, Seth? Yeah, they're hitting the road. Leftover Salmon's going to be doing a tour. And if they're coming through your neck of the woods, the tour is a little different. And we'll talk about that with Vince Herman on that one. But it's different because it's more of a, I mean, I don't want to say a sit down, but they're, they're going to the roots and they're doing more rootsy style. It's not just the, you know, everyone do the Macarena. I We're mean, getting full on acoustic at City Winery, right? Full on. What's the date of the City Winery show? Uh, October 21st, I believe. Right. Good. No, that's Bowman Field, South Carolina. October 20th at Georgia Theater. And City Winery's not till November 17th. Uh, oh, you know yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. the Vince episode will be able to put out its two nights, the two shows in one night, November 17th at uh, Georgia, uh, at City Winery, City Winery Nashville the next night. Um, we'll have to try to get this out right in the immediate advance of that to help promote it. We, we definitely will. We definitely will. Cool so, rooms. Uh, the Broadberry in Richmond? I, I don't, I'm not aware of that. That's place. a nice place to pick up a nice broad. Strings and Soul, the, the one place, one of your destination ones that I would most love to, love to, love to go. Long shot. Not a chance, right? I mean, you know, you can you can ask the promoters. Maybe they're listening. So, any others that we should mention? Hotford, Hotford, City Winery, Boston, which will still probably have that new City Winery smell uh, when Leftover plays on November 9th. Order your drinks now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we let's go to backstage at Hampton Seventy. Very, very kind of Drew Emmett. Take us there, Seth. Elevator open. Over salmon with us. How you doing, Drew? Couldn't be better. Fantastic. How were the rehearsals? Were you at the Vista room last night rehearsing? I was. It was magical already. Incredible. Yeah. Good to see your uncles and your cousins. Yeah, absolutely. Musically Big family. Speaking. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Big question for me is: We're celebrating a guy who's based on improvisation, yet we're on a time frame. How do we reconcile that, Drew? Are they? Are they? Is there a word out there to keep things short? Or to open up here and not open up there, or what? How, how are we? How are we dealing with that? Going with the flow, I would have to say. <laughs> to me, that's my motto today because it's going to be really intense and really great, and probably kind of overwhelming. So I'm just going to go with the flow and see where it takes me. Now, where did so, you first meet the Colonel? We first met the Colonel. Uh, gosh, '93, I want to say we did a tour with them with the aquarium rescue unit on the east coast out here 
And, uh, you know, we've been hearing about the Colonel and hearing about the band and, and just, you know, checking it out and thinking, wow, this is an amazing band. It'd be great to meet these guys. And we ended up doing this tour. And uh, it was right after Matt Mundy quit. So I ended up playing pretty much every night, being a mandolin player. For the whole set? Yeah, for oh, wow. a lot of it. Were and, you familiar with uh, the music at the time? What's that? Were you familiar with their music? A little bit. Enough to... Not a ton, but, you know, when I first met Jimmy Herring, it was uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, at the music farm. And uh, Jimmy came up to me and said, so you play mandolin? I said, yeah. He goes, you want to play? <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up playing a whole bunch with him that tour, and then from then on, uh, sat in with the band a whole lot. And uh, really just amazing, amazing times playing with them. And standing next to Jimmy Herring... And O'Teal is going, holy <laughs> criminy, this is, wow, yeah. It's like throwing, standing next to Zeus, throwing thunderbolts, you know, kind of thing. It does seem like there's a spirit of the Colonel in Leftover Salmon's music. You guys are very, in the moment, you're very, you, you'll go off on a, you'll, you can take something and open it up and turn it into something very much in the moment. It, 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 has he They're out. It? They're out. Or out, yes. Has that, uh, some of that is just from you guys as a band. Was it... Did Colonel affect it or uh, embellish it at all? Tons. Give huge, it a shot of Zambi. Huge, huge influence, yeah. Uh, I mean, Vince Herman is, is kind of like Bruce Jr. I mean, there's a lot of Bruce in Vince, a whole lot. Sometimes I think he even turns into Bruce for a little while. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, huge influence on us. Um, Philosophically, musically, I mean, in so many different ways, you know, and and as a friend and and kind of as as an uncle or even like a father figure, you know, to a lot of us, Bruce is kind of like our dad, you mm-hmm. know. Has he ever goofed on you guys? Ever, ever any Colonel stunts? Well, hard hard to say specifically, but you know, uh, he's definitely uh, showed us a lot of his tricks. And, uh, you know, we've definitely uh, uh, been around for, like, the birthday guessing and, and, and all that Did he guess your stuff. birthday? He didn't guess it right on. He came pretty close. But one thing, one Colonel story I have to tell you. Um, when my wife was pregnant with my son, um, Colonel Bruce came up to her and put his hand on her belly, and he said, He's screaming a boy. His name will begin with E, and he will be born July 23rd. Whoa. All three were correct. Oh, His wow. name is Eli. He was born July 23rd. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing. I mean, that, that was one of the times where it was like, wow. I mean, He's yeah. tapped in. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, we, we um, adopted our cousin, and before I told Bruce the, the whole thing, I didn't tell him how old the boy was, didn't tell him anything, he guessed his birth date. And I'm like, I mean, I, ba- I barely got into the story to tell him anything. He's just like, March 26. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, the boy you're going to adopt. He was born March 26. He's two years old. He's got blonde hair. Now, he didn't say the blonde hair part, but <laughs> but pretty much. It's like, how does he do that? How does he do it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, with, with my situation, it was so right on. Like, how, how do you come up with that? Wait a second. You know? As you were getting close to the date, were you going to your wife being like, hold it for two days? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy at all? <laughs> well, actually, his due date was the 20th of July. And he was three days late. So even more amazing. Is uh, that. Wow. <laughs> Maybe God wants to be in Colonel's band eventually. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um. I wanted you mention Vince, who is kind of a colonel character. Vince Herman, who is just a very dynamic, fun-loving guy, always joking around, you know, real tight with the fans and stuff like that. But when you're rehearsing with a guy like that, can it, can it get in the way? Can it, can it be unproductive, or is he very serious when you're rehearsing? Vince has many different sides. Uh, Vince and I are both Geminis, so we're, we're similar in that way. Are you, you double? Are you double Gemini? I know Colonel talks about double Geminis. I would, well... I don't know that either of us are. Um, I'm May 24th, and Vince is May 24th. Share a birthday with you. Are you serious? May 24th, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and Bob is, Dylan, right? Yep. And I think Miles Davis, or is he the 23rd? I, I think he's know. right around there. I always and feel like he's 24 also, but Bob Dylan's the... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Happy birthday, Cheers. almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. And you said Vince was May 28th. He's May 28th. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Vince is kind of multifaceted. He's definitely a fun-loving, kind of crazy entertainer kind of guy. But he has a serious side. and uh, Which really you know, shows up like four in the morning by the beach, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the sun's coming. Yeah, naked, running into the water, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. You live in Colorado still, right? Yes, Crested Butte. How familiar are folks in the music scene out there with the colonel and, and his whole, you know, uh, you know, that which surrounds him? I think quite a bit. Um, you know, ARU used to come through a lot and play the Fox Theater in Boulder and their shows that they did, I guess it was a couple years ago, they came through Colorado as well, which unfortunately I was out of town and had to miss. But uh, yeah, especially people in this scene, you know, in the more jammy kind of scene are definitely well aware of the They're like all the musicians that Bruce has influenced. And, and, and on that though, how have uh, you seen uh, musicians be influenced by Bruce? What are some of the ways he influences the musicians that you've seen that have grown into the career musicians? I think, well, it's, it's easier for me to speak for myself, but I think in general, I think Bruce causes musicians to not take music so seriously um, and in such a heady way um, or maybe even such a self-absorbing way. But to be part of the music and... Uh, you know, maybe to be more of a cog in the machine instead of being self-important, if that makes any sense. I think that Bruce has taught a lot of us um, maybe just how to be in the moment and let go of preconceived notions about what playing music is and uh, just to look at it a different way. Um, and I think there's a lot of, of humor in that and there's a lot of letting go and there's a lot of just improvising, you know, from from your soul instead of so much from your mind, if if that makes any sense. But uh, I mean, the, the way Vin, the way Bruce, I'm gonna say Vince, the way Bruce brings people together and just creates this this atmosphere is like nobody else. I mean, what he used to do with ARU was you know amazing, surrounded by all these incredible musicians, you know, and then Bruce just leading. Everybody. Leading a circus out of them. It, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a very rare that you get that serious caliber of musician to uh, wear a tutu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and come out of, and come yes. out of an amp or whatever he's done. Like, you know, there's just insane. Yeah, yeah. You ever, uh, you guys ever come out, like, you got, with Leftover, I think that um, you, with Halloween shows or New Year's shows, you guys always come up with some crazy thing to do to, you know, shock people. Do you ever sit back and say, well, wait, did Bruce do that yet? Probably. <laughs> yes. But you guys are no stranger to full band ensemble improv, too, right? You'll That's completely sure. leave the structure of the song, right? Yeah. We, yeah. We, we've taken it out pretty far at times. You know, and one of the things that Bruce used to say is that, you know, I would come out and drop a brick on stage. You know? <laughs> Okay, and then you know, get a reaction from the crowd. Uh, like, All right, there you go. Well, we we had a brick on on tour with us on the Horde tour. You can ask Jeff Sipe about the brick. Oh, really? Oh, we'll yeah. make a note of that. We'll be talking to Sipe later. Yeah, and it's nice. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to ask because he, he Jeff actually was a member of Leftover Salmon for a while, right? Yes. Yeah. How did the Perfuse. dynamic of the band change when you have a drummer of that kind of power and dexterity? Oh, it was awesome. Really great. We were a five piece then. Our keyboard player had quit and. Uh, we went back to being a five-piece, and we had a great rhythm section in, in Jeff and Ty North, and uh, oh, it was just wonderful. I definitely miss it. Um, but we, you, go ahead. We motivated to improvise more with someone like that in the band. We we like drawn. Did you want to just play the first song and take it right out there all the time, or not necessarily? I mean, Jeff was great at really playing the songs as well. Sure, you know? but uh, always. Always a, a willing participant in, in taking it out, you know, beyond the fringes, which is something we love to do. And once again, it's something that that Bruce influenced us all in doing, you know. But uh, it was definitely a treat having Jeff in the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the only time you guys actually the bus was arrived at every venue on time. <laughs> time. <laughs> now Billy Payne, keyboardist, played with Little Feet and Jimmy yeah. Buffett, many others. Yeah. And other than Dixie Chicken, I don't think Little Feet really would improvise that much. Was that an adjustment? Anyone that's holding the elevator, could you please 
please release it? If there's anyone that's holding the elevator, could you please release it? Thank I think, you. I think the volume was all, I think it was all the way off. She was saying she wanted to get on the podcast. I think that was like a... That's <laughs> great. It's good to have that. That's a natural fear. We are really at the Fox for Hampton 70, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there is a lot going on around here. But can you talk about that? Is Billy Payne, was, was the improvisational side of the band an adjustment for him? I think so. Uh, definitely. He, he took much longer solos than he's used to playing with, with Little Feet or, or anyone else. Certainly and, with Buffett. Yeah. And, Buffett, uh, it's like, get it. Yeah. Make a statement, get out. I think he loved it. And, you know, the places he would take it were just unbelievable, you know, um, so yeah, I think it, you know anybody who's played with this band has really had a great time. I mean, we we're pretty wide open, and especially somebody like Bill Payne is used to being pretty precise and keeping the solos, you know, pretty short. You know, Little Feet probably, you know, he he went out, you know, a whole lot more than the other people he's played with. But with us, yeah, we we would let him go for sure, and it was yeah really great. I asked him why he wore suits when he was with Jimmy Buffett. Uh-oh. He said because Jimmy always liked my ties. My ties? I got it. Okay, it's big. Why couldn't the margaritas? Why couldn't the woman or, talk then? <laughs> <laughs> um, as we said to you before the interview, we want to sit down with you sometime in the future, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about your whole career and all that. But love to. playing on what you just said about the, 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 uh, the band, the flexibility, the nimbleness, the, the, the versatility of Leftover Salmon mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about the Nashville sessions Because mm-hmm. I think that's a studio album that exemplifies it yeah, Now it it's my understanding You were in Nashville in a studio Kind of doing what we're doing today Pulling people in Although you were doing to make music We're doing a chat Is that true? Like the Taj Mahal thing kind of happened spontaneously? Not spontaneously we, we definitely had everybody set up beforehand Okay There's pull um, musicians off the street in Nashville Grab the cane almost <laughs> I mean it felt that way But um, No it was definitely a process I mean we had already connected with a lot of these musicians Through bluegrass festivals And through the Horde tour And Taj in particular We had met on the Horde tour And played some music with him And done some jamming with him So everybody we had a Mostly everybody we had a previous connection to Other than Waylon Jennings And Lucinda Williams and uh, uh, who else hadn't we played with? Um, but everybody else, you know, JB and Sam and John and Bela and, you know. But uh, because we were working with Randy Scruggs, he knew Waylon and, uh, you know, knew uh, Lucinda. Did either of so, them know anything about you guys when they came in? Do they know the band? Not much, no, not much. Or, so what's that dynamic like? They walk in and you just do explain. Like, put on a seatbelt and play music. Yeah, or did they even? Did you even have them in there? Did you do it live in the studio, or did they add their parts and send them? Or a little of both. Like Waylon was live. Waylon and Vince were both in there together, singing together. Wow. Yeah, and we were all watching this. Like, this is surreal. <laughs> you know, Sam and John are in there with us, just going, "Can you believe this is happening right now?" Um, but Lucinda, for instance, came in. We laid down the track, and she came in and sang it. And we weren't there for that. And then I came in later and did the harmonies with her, overdubbed. Uh, so she was the only one that we didn't actually track with. Okay. Uh, like Earl Scruggs was right in the room with us, tracking and sitting right across from me. It was pretty surreal. Pretty did you talk amazing. to him? Do you, I mean, do you uh-huh. be so tempted? I mean, does he have yeah. stories? Are you picking his brain? Talked to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very. He was very shy. And, and pretty quiet and reserved, you know. So I didn't talk to him a whole lot. But, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with Randy, obviously his son, and got a lot of stories from Randy, for sure. Yeah, about all the Flat and Scruggs days. And he's like, well, Dad would come home and basically repack his suitcase and go back out. Yeah. That's how it was growing up, you know. Off he, he goes. see a lot of his dad. Yeah. Do you miss uh, the road? I mean, you guys used to be on the road a little harder. You're a little, little more t- pulled back on the touring a little bit, right? Quite a bit. Yeah, we're, we're at about 90 shows a year right now. And, uh, you know, there's aspects of it that I do miss. And uh, we're going to make a new record coming up next month. We're going in the studio. And I think next year is going to be busier supporting that. But we've kind of come up with different ways to tour, more creative ways and shorter runs and you know a lot of it's flying in doing a few shows and flying back out or getting on a bus for like a week and a half couple weeks but uh the days of the long tours are pretty much over at least for now any teasers on the new album any 
any idea where you're going with it? What's what the what's the uh, idea behind it? Or you honing it down yet? Or is it still the idea of, is no idea. But it's it starts with that's very current. It's going to be. I I feel like my expectation of this record is wide open, and we have a new keyboard player, Eric Deutsch, who's really creative. Really Where'd you good. find him? We've known him for years. He used to be in Boulder. He played with a band called Fat Mama. Oh, Fat yeah, Mama. Like, I know that name. I couldn't place it. Yep, and That's he played with the Motet some. He played with Charlie Hunter. He Ooh. played with Citizen Cope. He played with Shooter Jennings, Nora Jones for a little while. Um, he's really great and very creative, like I said. And also our drummer, Alwyn Robinson, is a young cat. Really great drummer. Also very talented songwriter and singer. So he's got some... In- some input and uh, so he's he's at, that's that'll be cool. That's nice to know that he's adding some new stuff. Yeah, that's, that yeah. you know, especially when you have a, a newer member like that, when they can start contri- contributing to the future, that really solidifies them in the band. That's, sure that's a good thing. Yeah, and then Andy Thorne, of course, always has ideas, and, and Vince, and yeah. So we're all just going to throw some ideas in the pot and see what what works. I, there's one song pretty much that we have now that's kind of a complete song. But the rest of it is is pretty much up in the air. I've got about five tunes that are kind of still in the f- formative. Mm-hmm. And I understand mode. you guys are doing a mashup of Pee Wee Herman's yeah. Playhouse and Tequila. Is that correct? How'd you know? How'd I you don't know. know. It's just something that I picked up at the beach yeah. one day. We, yeah. we need to cue this woman to start <laughs> oh, talking over. There's a the backstory there yeah. that'll fill you. She in needs on. to. Yeah, <laughs> start yelling over the speakers. Please. Uh, someone that's uh, opened the elevator. I mean Seth's mouth. Please close the mouth. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time. Yes. If you could, if you My would pleasure. end, I'm sure the Colonel has sat with Leftover many times. Can yes. you share uh, a sit-in memory of Colonel being on stage with Leftover Salmon? I have a good one. Yep, on the Horde tour in New York, um, Jones Beach, I want to say, um, and uh, the Colonel's on stage with us. We're playing "Yield Not to Temptation," and suddenly the crowd just erupts, and it was about you know, five, six thousand people. And I'm like, whoa, we must have done something cool. And I turned around, and there standing about two inches from my face, looking, staring directly into my eyes, was Neil Young. Whoa! <laughs> so, Neil Young showed up at a horde show? Well, he was on the tour. Oh, that year. Okay, and right. uh, he, he really liked us. He was talking about us a lot in interviews and saying we were his favorite band on the tour. And he would come every day uh, and watch our side stage show. He'd have sunglasses and a hat and jean jacket, and he was, you know, just very incognito. But anyway, he walked on stage with us and played harmonica with Bruce singing Yield Not to Temptation, oh, wow. and then stayed up for a song of mine and sang harmony with me. So wow. that might not relate as directly to Bruce, but that was certainly one of the times when Bruce was on stage with us. That's that beautiful. That was pretty amazing, yeah. Now, I just want to ask a question about Horde Tour. One, I remember a story that I heard was... ARU was the band that would go on first, but yet all the musicians were in the crowd. Like the crowd was just yeah. starting to trickle in. Yet, like maybe most of the time, musicians are not watching the opening band. They're getting ready. They're doing whatever. But it's true. You guys really made a point to all go and see ARU. Yeah. Oh my God. I I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, when I first heard Jimmy Herring play up. As a guitar player, I was completely astounded, and still am to this day. But and O'Teal and Sipe, and I mean, wow, what, what an amazing band! And uh, like I said, it was it was really great timing for us to do that tour with them uh, right after Matt Mundy left, because otherwise I probably wouldn't have been playing with them. And that was an experience I'll never forget. We involved in any of the full band segues where ARU would finish their set going to a jam and then like widespread would start coming out and then it would it would like morph into a widespread set were those happening your year no that's a first year thing i think but uh i was with them when they opened for fish up in vermont uh i sat in with them and uh we ended up hanging out with all the fish guys later on that night and that's when i first met them salmon Um, and fish yeah don't don't. That's just know. dangerous territory. Well, you know, last summer, last summer we did a, a little tour with Hot Tuna, so it was just like a sushi dinner. You know. Did you uh, sit in at all with Hot Tuna? <laughs> no, but uh, Yorma sat in with us. Fun what? Really great. Um, 
I forget what we played with Yarma, but it was it was really really cool. Did you play that sunburst? That that orange and red thing that's so awesome. He's a tuna freak. I what did love Yarma. What did he play? Was that red one? The, the he red, played the uh, Gibson stereo. Yeah, the Gibson. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Big. Yeah, the grassy tone. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I love you, Yarma. So great. So great. What cool. a great experience. Have you ever seen him with fish? Not set in with fish, but they've set in with us. Pretty much every member at one time or another has set in. Um, they came to a show of ours in Tucson. They saw our name on the marquee of the Rialto Theater and stopped in, and they were all standing at the monitor board. And uh, Vince, first Vince says to me, he's like, some guy here wants to play your guitar. I'm like, really? <laughs> who, who is it? He goes, Trey. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so Trey came out, played a couple tunes with us, and... Uh, it's just great, obviously. Amazing. Well, thanks for being yeah, here and being part. You. Did you come all the yeah. way from Colorado just for this? No, I was already out on the, on the East Coast. We did Merle Fest Friday night with Salmon, and then I oh, played yeah. uh, the Charm City Fest in Baltimore two days ago with uh, Adam and Ben from Yonder and Andy Thorne, the four of us. Did cool. A show. Yep. What do you think about how Merle Fest has changed over the years? Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the same as it's always been. But, um, you know, Merle Fest is a really amazing, amazing festival. It's, uh, it's a deeply traditional festival. And also, you know, they have branched out um, and brought in some bands that aren't necessarily traditional bluegrass bands. Uh, it was honored to be part of it again. It had been almost 20 years since we played Merle Fest. Have you ever played with Doc Watson? No, but I shook his hand one time. Yeah. As close as I ever got to. And yeah, thank you. Thank Pleasure. you so much, Drew. Thank you. that was Drew Emmett kindly giving us time during the delightful at that point chaos of Hampton 70. That was pre-Bojonic? Yes. Otherwise Rob would have been... Hey, big thank you to Bojonic, by the way. Yeah, speaking of, you know, Jennifer Krebs was working that show and I was helping her with the coupons because they really wanted to count on how many people were eating, right? So... And people didn't know this, so they would walk up to the to the door and not have coupons. So I had extra coupons. <laughs> I love this story. Guys. You know what I'm talking I about, did. right? So the colonel walks up, 
And they're turn, they don't, they didn't know. This was early in the day. They didn't know who he was, and they're about to turn away. And I actually gave Colonel his coupon for what would sadly become his his last meal, uh, which I'll still I still very vividly remember handing him that coupon and him taking it and looking me in the eye. And it's weird. It's one of those weird things from that night. Also, uh, there were moments I had with Vince Herman. Well, Vince, every time he walked in, the uh, door guy kept calling him the birthday boy. <laughs> It's like, no, wrong guy, but yeah. But we uh, this was to promote and let people know that we will have a big episode with Vince Herman. And and uh, as we discussed that, there, there were very m- memorable moments with him. As a matter of fact, when I, the fact that the moment was as heavy as it was, was when I saw his face coming off the stage. Remember? Because when Colonel went down, I was left side and I went backstage and I wasn't really sure what was going on. And then when Vince came running from the backstage, Behind, you know, from the stage with that terrible look on his face, and then right after that, paramedics came in and cleared us out to the stairwell, and it was just the nightmare began. But the nightmare that uh, is settling curiously well, because as we said before, it might have been the way Colonel wanted to leave the world. I mean, performance was his life, right? And yeah. Greece, he always talked about getting Greece. Yes, and uh, can you explain what getting Greece is? Huh? Uh, I, we we go through that on the Vince episode, yes. so I do want people to s- listen yes. to the Vince episode. So Vince has a lot to say in. about the Colonel, and um, uh, he, he Actually, things I've been saying about Brandon Niederauer, he crystallizes in one line, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't even we'll wait on that, but dude, we will. So true, Vince. So so gets it, and I completely agree. So Rob, I gotta I gotta. Well, no, this isn't the Vince episode, so I won't talk about the uh, Vince activity then. No, nope. but that's a good one. Save it, save it. I will say this though: on Jam Cruise, though, we t- we're talking about doing something. I, 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 okay, sorry, my Jam Cruise conversation, but it is the activities planning time. So we're, we we want to do something to pay a tribute to Colonel Bruce. So the idea on the table, and tell me what you think of this one, Rob. The idea on the table is to do a an hour with Vince Herman, George Porter, and uh, Carl Denton, and and others, but those are the core, and it's going to be the Zami Outdoor H O U T. R with O U T capitalized there, and it's a it's an hour of Zambi where uh, Vince leads it. Talks they talk a little bit about Bruce and Zambi, and then it just goes and it goes out. And so you could walk into this area, and you know they might just be on stage going, you know whatever they you know what I mean. It's just. I said 11, Work baseball in somehow. Home run. <laughs> Whatever. You get my point. So it could, just be, it could just be totally out there. Don't steal third base with two out. Just a bit outside. Hey, real quick on leftover salmon. Because I was looking at their tour dates, and they have two with, with uh, a future and former guests. Oh, really? They're playing with infamous String Dusters October 13th at the Hillbury Music Festival, and they're playing with the String Dusters and Keller Williams at the old rock, excuse me, Hillbilly, Hillbury Music Festival, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and then in St. Louis at the old rock house you love October that place. 14th. You love that place. Actually, is it the old rock I'm an house? Old rocker? You, yeah, that's. Are... Calling me an old rocker again? October 13th is the Hillbury Music Festival. Seth, you're a young rocker, man. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that's our tweener episode. Main we'll squeeze some... coming up, right? What else is coming up, Seth? Oh, geez. Main Rob. squeeze. Joel Cummins and Annie Farrick of Humphreys McGee will be the episode after that. Brock Butler, and then I believe Vince Herman, and then if we have interns Nathaniel and, and Adam, and of course we have Harris Sullivan, who is uh, something more than an intern. What are we going to call Harris? We'll just call him Harris. Production assistant? We'll call him Harris. We'll call him Harris. Harris Yard. The point being, we might try to get more episodes out or more tweeners or uh, accelerate things. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Sp- we'll see how things uh, unfold. We'll really, really comes down unfolds. to sponsorship. We get a sponsor, we can do. We can, we can go far. We did have a potential future sponsor show up at our live event. So mm-hmm. that's true. That was good. I hope Thank I didn't you. ruin it. <laughs> they showed up during the interview part, so it uh, should be good. They left before the auction. Yeah, it's uh, too bad. Well, do you have anything else you want to tell our listeners, Rob? Thank you all for listening. Check out past episodes. If you like this one, check out Sam Bush. 
Um, no, no, stop, stop. I'm not about. I'm not asking you to be a plug and a promoter. Do you oh. have anything you want to tell them? You want to tell them to reveal something about yourself, or is there anything, anything going on in your life? Maybe a band you're going to see. Maybe something you list listen to Last recently. Night, bad, bad, not good. They're sort of a. Oh, they're sort of okay. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> bad, would, bad, not good. You know, <laughs> strangely, yes, because they're playing jazz, and I, you know, one thing I notice as I get older, if there's an area where I'm a little crotchety about, it's jazz. That's bands where I seem to be more scrutinous than others. As in, you prefer the jazz to I be... I wanted real traditional. Even Kamasi, there are things I'm critical about. You know what I mean? I'm very... I've seen a lot of the best players in jazz have been very fortunate. And, and for some reason, that's... I don't know. So you're, so you're more guys, of a museum style? Like, you want your jazz at, you know, certain way. You want you want your coffee black in your jazz. I'm looking for certain things. And, and, and with, the, with these guys, some of it I wasn't into. But I'll tell you, they did a really nice Monk cover toward the end. And uh, then they came out for the encore and could have done just a little crowd pleaser thing, and they didn't. They they dug into another jazz tune, and the bassist took a solo, and then instead of the sax doing a straight solo, he kind of did a, a a back and forth with the keyboardist, and that built really nicely, and it was a really really cool encore. So I could see potential potential for the future future for Bad Bad Not Good. For What's sure. up with Bad Bad Not Good? The Bad Plus. I mean, can we have like a positive band name for a freaking jazz uh, avant garde? It's interesting because there were elements of what they did that reminded me of Bad Plus when they were younger. So I wonder if we do get to interview, we'll have to ask if if that is um was part of the inspiration for the name. And by the way, Ethan Iverson, who's no longer with Bad Plus, can we get him? Can we interview him? I don't know. And you should check out his blog. I mean, that guy. Um, Wait, so the oh, that's the one. He's not, a, he's not the one we spoke with. No, he's no, the one I know that. But why that is about he, we spoke about him and seemed to piss off the guy we interviewed, and then they broke up like three days later. Do you think you had something to do with that, Rob? I I tend to blame you and the puns, in general. So I'm going to think that your puns broke up the bad plus. Bad puns broke up bad plus. I actually. Uh, on, on the pitch to a, a band, actually, I'll just tell you. So I was pitching a spoon race uh, for an uh, for one big holiday. It was going to be a poolside where everything's spoon related, like uh, egg in the spoon, uh, uh, going on a kayak, and then having to use spoons to paddle, but like big spoons, a spoon catapult, um, a spoon eating thing where people like blindfolded and they put food on a spoon and feed you, and you have to guess what it was. Any rate, pitched spoon it. Man. Pitch it to the band Spoon because I thought, you know, spooning by the pool, what a great idea. And their manager kindly said, uh, we don't make, we don't do things uh, pun related on the band's name, which I understand, but it's really hard for me to come up with something that's not pun related. Yeah. But I mean, it would have been fun spooning by the pool with Spoon. I mean, come on. I just, a lot of times I don't think the puns are even half as creative and interesting and funny as you think they are. That's just the way it is. Well, you're not an old Jewish dad. Not yet. Not that I know of. Oh, hey, put that in there. And uh, as a mass hole, Greenfield, Massachusetts, which, by the way, one of the great, great radio stations, 95.3. I wish I remember. Actually, Waffle worked there. He talked about it in our interview. Jefferson Waffle Light. He designed yes. it for the game. Episode, episode six. six entertainment and other things, too. Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center. Hawks. Two, Hawks. Two, no. Hawks. <laughs> and Reed. Not Reed Cornelison. A Reed Cornelison reference. Hawks and Reed Cornelison Performing Arts Center. In Greenfield, Massachusetts, Leftover Salmon, two shows, November 8th. People s- support them. Should we do an episode where we just do it like a bad morning radio show? <laughs> just like a really bad one one day? I think of that sometimes with some of the things you say anyways. But yeah, oh, we could do it. Fuck. Richard and Sal do a pretty funny one on Howard sometimes. Or they used to. They don't really do it anymore. Now, speaking of Richard and Sal and yes. Howard Stern, sure. let's talk a little further with Rob here. Let's crack <laughs> open the Rob for a second. What uh, other podcasts are you listening to these days? Oh, Greg Fitzsimmons is always a favorite. Adam Carolla and Mark Maron. Those are probably my Mount Rushmore. Uh, the Song Exploder is fantastic. Any new ones that you listen to that uh, opened you up to a new band? Uh, you know what? I do, but I have to I have to pull up my, my yeah, phone. Right. Um, because um, one guy got Mike Gordon, one of the guys I listened to. From Sound Exploder? No, World of Rock or something. Some, Celebration of Rock. Celebration of Rock. No, it was okay. Well, this is a podcast. Actually, speaking of, yes. All right, slow down, of, slow down. Harris just pointed out a good one, though. It's not a podcast, but Mike Gordon fans, I know we have Connecticut now did a great piece. Uh, the guy's name is Michael Hamad, H-A-M-A-D. Nice Mike Gordon piece. Scott Bernstein crushed Mike Gordon, too. Staying on the podcast, back, Mike back Gordon. You're talking about a Mike Gordon podcast. Did he talk about the new album in depth? Yeah. I mean, that would make well, sense. Well, that one more more theoretically. If you want to learn about the album, you want this Hamad one or Scott Bernstein, absolutely, of course, crushes it. Jam Bands did a really nice uh, Mike Gordon piece as well. So you've hey, been reading a lot is what you're saying. 
Sure, but also um, binge talking with Steve Lacey, who the New York uh, television personality, who's a huge Fish fan and has had Scotty on, has had Jeff Waffle on the show and stuff like that. He he's got his own um, podcast now. The working songwriter just saw Joe Pug. Joe Pug. Joe Pug, a wonderful singer songwriter. He has a uh, a podcast out called The Working Songwriter. That's great. Norm Macdonald has his podcast uh norm mcdonald live i don't know how that one slipped under my radar he's had letterman on you look at the guests norm's had it's just incredible do you listen to alec baldwin's uh, podcast ever i do i do it's a little dry uh, if you want to hear how frustrating it can be to be an interviewer listen to alec baldwin with paul simon paul simon is a, just a tough interview you know he's just not giving him much and baldwin who's just a supremely talented guy on so many levels you know and interviewing is one of them, dude. And I'm going to take it one other notch further. Uh, we're going to pause on this here and go one more depth of Rob Turner here, folks. Okay, one political one intercepted with Jeremy Scahill. Go ahead. Getting a little deeper with Rob. Rob, let me let me just get in that brain here. When you're doing research for uh, a musician, uh-huh. how many podcasts and interviews do you actually listen to before the uh, interview? It's uh, Can you check on Bernie Harris? Um, it depends Birdie on Harris. the artist. Bertie Harris is like a baseball player. Well, if there aren't, though, it's it's easier. There actually was a Bertie Tibbets. Tibbets. Um, I like the podcast because I can lie in bed and listen to him. You know what I mean? It's the easiest I form don't of picture that. research. You know I what know I mean? Listeners don't either. Or I could throw it on in my car. Wait, but how many? How many? Like on on an average, like for most Vince of them Herman. don't have a lot, and that's kind of one one of the things that's cool about. Our, even though we would love to get bigger names. We are getting exposing a lot of these people who, who, like Jason Crosby, I really felt like we told his story in a way that it hadn't been told. Randall Bramlett, we went through his whole career. Jeff Atchison, I feel like we have career-spanning definitive interviews out there because of, the thankfully, the medium that we're afforded and the fact that there are not a lot of podcasts with these folks on them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a source of pride for me. Now, Sam Bush, there was a lot of stuff I could listen to. And um, there's this one country fried radio or something. They had a Sam, they had a Kevin, they have others. I listened to that one, actually. That can be rough. They continually reset and keep saying the name, and it's very surface well, level. You it, don't really that's It's terrestrial. Much. I, I don't think... I think it was... It's reg- terrestrial forcing themselves on podcasts and yeah. just saying the name over and over. It's so and annoying. You're listening to WTNS. Anyway, so thank you, Rob, for uh, letting us inside that noggin of yours there for a second. Sure. And folks, uh, if you want to know more about the research that Rob does and... uh, Or if you want to hear me uh, on my own as an interviewer, Timeless Music Podcast, episode one was David Bromberg, episode two, uh, Talking Heavy Metal with members of Humphreys McGee and and Kevin Castles, heavy metal expert from Asheville, North Carolina. If you want to hear Rob Railroad... Episode three will be jazz. Anything I say, just listen to us here. Yes. (laughs) My God. So what I'm trying to say here is uh, as we're building our website, we're going to phase two yes. of the website, add a little bit of a blog part where sure. Rob can share what he listens to, what he does in his research. Maybe with you write all. some reviews, maybe share some stuff I've read. I did oh, write for God. a long time. Can I'm we not review Jesse the Jarno. I don't, I'm not as accomplished as Anthony DeCurtis or Jesse Jarno. I would like to review the reviewer of. Oh, wait, we did that. We did review one. We of reviewed one of yours. We tore me a new asshole, and it was fun. It was funny. On so any writer, any writer who doesn't like things we say about you, just remember we made fun of me too, so get the hell over yourself. And don't be a writer if you can't take it. Yeah. Have it be down to earth. How it's can all a writer you know, games? How can a writer get mad at someone critiquing them when the writer critiques that's everyone they they're writing about? Well, some writers don't critique, they just sort of cheerlead. Well, that's not writing. That's just boring. That's pro- that's promoting. Boring. No, that's just promoting. If you can't if you can't say your opinion, you're just promoting. Yonder field, October twenty one. Bowman. Not this field, but yonder field. Yeah, Leftover uh, salmon, October twenty one. Oh, Bowman. Oh, South you're Carolina. saying yonder, yonder mountain? What are you talking about? Just yonder. Yeah. The field over yeah. yonder. Yeah, yeah, where were you playing, yonder? Thanks. Thanks. This was a tweener. Tweener G, I guess. And we've got another we're gonna do a tweener also. Just enough, Rob. Say bye. In honor of Bob Weir. Say goodbye. Okay, bye.